May you please open your Bibles to Psalm, Psalm chapter 56, please. Psalm chapter 56. And we're going to begin with verse number 8. We will find several other places in the Bible this morning. But we'll begin in Psalm 56 in verse number 8. This is one of the Psalms that David wrote. He didn't write all of them of the 150 that we have. He wrote many of them, but not all. And this particular Psalm that was uh, supposedly written while David was running from Saul, and he had to run from Saul quite a bit. If you are familiar with your Bible, you know in the latter half of, of the book of 1 Samuel, that's pretty much all you read about is David running from Saul, and he has to hide in caves and run from mountain to mountain, and his life hangs in danger all the time, and he didn't do anything wrong, but he's constantly, constantly feeling the pressure of life. And from that, we have these psalms. Now, in Psalm 56, verse 8, David says, Thou tellest my wanderings. Tellest, now, not in the American English sense of the word. Tellest as in the Afrikaans sense of the word. When you guys tell something, you're counting it. And that's what he means here. Thou tellest my wanderings. God counts them. He keeps track of them. He keeps track. Just like the hairs of your head are numbered, your wanderings are numbered. Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? God had recorded them all. He'd counted them all. With that, I'd like to ask you to please bow your heads with me. Let's pray for a moment and then we'll continue. Father, my sufficiency is not of myself. Lord, I have no confidence in what, in what I have to say. I have complete confidence that you can do something this morning. Lord, my ability means nothing. My strength means nothing. Lord, this morning I rely on you. Please, please, God, help someone this morning. Speak to their hearts. Fill me with your spirit, please. In Jesus' name, amen. And he says, thou tellest my wanderings. Now the word wanderings is not a strange word. You find this throughout the Bible. However, the Hebrew word that gives us this word wanderings is the only time in the Bible that you find it. It's only used once in the whole Bible. And the Hebrew word, now it doesn't matter which one it is, but it's the same word that you would use for someone having to run off into exile. They are being persecuted and their life hangs in danger and they're under horrible pressure. And the way David uses it here, it's in the plural. That is to say, David had gone through a lot of troubles and he was worn out. He was overwhelmed. And if I can quote the song that we just sang, his sad heart aches till it nearly breaks. And David said, God, you are keeping track of all of my sorrows. You are aware of every time I have reached the end of the line. You know every time I've been weak and sad, burdened and heavy laden. God, you've written them all down. They're in your book. You haven't forgotten one of them. We also sang in this song, 
Does Jesus care when I've tried and failed to resist some temptation strong? You ever wept because you disappointed God? Has your heart ever broken because you did it again? When from my deep grief I find no relief. Have you ever been so heartbroken that no one can fix it? No matter how many people come to visit, no matter how many people wrap their arms around you and try to comfort you, no relief. Though my tears flow all the night long, you ever cried yourself to sleep? You ever been so sad that you just broke down in tears? Has it happened this week? David said, Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. And the title of my sermon today is God's Bottle. God's Bottle. We, we know that God records everything. We know that He sees everything. We get that. That's not a new thought to anyone here this morning. But did you know God has a special bottle where he keeps all of your tears? We know he has a special book where he keeps all of the knowledge we need to have. There's other books that he has written specifically about your life. God is writing your biography. But he has a special bottle and this was something that was very common in Middle Eastern culture even among the Jews that at a funeral they would have an urn with somebody's ashes and then they would also have small bottles they called them lacrimatories and these little vials if you will little little small glass bottles the people at the at the funeral as they wept they would catch the tears in the bottle cap it up and either bury it with the casket or with the urn or take the bottle home and keep it on the shelf as a memorial for what that person meant to you. God has a bottle. And your tears mean something to him. And every time one falls from your cheek, he catches it in his bottle. He's intimately aware of every single thing that breaks your heart. Now I never read anywhere in the Bible that God catches the tears of a wicked man. But I do read in many places how God draws nigh to those that are of a broken heart. Why would he draw nigh? Well, for starters, his presence. His presence is a breath of fresh air right when you need it. But he would also have to draw nigh because he's coming there with his bottle. And he'd have to get close enough to you to catch the tears as they fall from your cheeks. David said, put my tears into my bottle. God, you know everything I'm going through. You know what a tough week I've had. David, he was the first one to say this that we know of. As he was going through trouble, he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? David is the one who wrote, Yea, though I walk through the valley 
of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Folks, if you are in the shadow of death, do you understand what that means logistically? You're in the valley, and death is looming over you. But in order to cast a shadow, there has to be a light source on the other side of, of, of let's say, in between you and that light. So there's you in the valley, there's death standing over you, but God is light. He's the light source. And he's looking over death's shoulder, watching every step, watching every time you wander off into that waste howling wilderness of sorrow. God sees it all. You may not be able to see him. All you can feel is the shadow of death. But let it be a reminder to you that if there's a shadow, there has to be light somewhere. He's there. That's why David said, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil, for thou art with me. And then sometimes it can get so bad that you cry out, why hast thou forsaken me? Because you're looking for God's presence, but you can't find it. And the statement was so real that that is what Jesus decided to say when he's hanging on the cross. For just a small umblick, for just a moment, God the Father pulled his presence away from Jesus while he was on the cross, causing him to cry out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Say, why would the Father do such a thing? You ever felt like God left you? You ever felt like that? Have you ever looked around for his face? Have you ever looked around for his presence in your life and you couldn't find it? You say, preacher, I feel that all the time. I'd like to have a, a realness of God's presence, but I can't find it. Jesus knows exactly how you feel. You understand that when Jesus came to the earth, part of the reason he came here was to experience what humans go through so that he can relate to us. No other religion can offer this to you, but the God of the Bible actually cares so much that he came down in human form so that he could have human experience, so that he could legitimately look you in the eye and say, I know how you feel. I know how it feels when it seems as if God is a million miles away. Can I ask you to take your Bible to the book of Job, one book back? Job chapter 10. Job chapter 10. Job chapter 10, and in verse number 1, Job 10, and, Job 10 and 1. Job, I think you all know what he was going through. And if there's ever a man that had a broken heart, it would be Job. He says in verse 1, my soul is weary of my life. Which is another way of saying I'd, I'd, I'm ready to die. It's that bad. 
I will leave my complaint upon myself. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. That's deep grief. Verse 2, I will say unto God, Do not condemn me. Show me wherefore thou contendest with me. God, don't just overthrow me. Tell, tell me what I did wrong. Tell me why this is happening. Any of you ever done that? Said, God, why is this happening? Why am, why am I going through this? What did I do? Verse 3, it is good unto thee that thou shouldest, or is it good rather, unto thee that thou shouldest oppress, that thou shouldest despise the work of thine hands and shine upon the counsel of the wicked? Saying, God, it, it seems as if you're treating me wrong. Is that how you want to do it? Verse 4, hast thou, now, now watch carefully, verse 4, hast thou eyes of flesh or seest thou as man seeth? What a question. Job hasn't actually, I think, a legitimate question here. Job says, God, how could you possibly know how I feel? Have you ever been down here as a man? Have you ever tried to live in a human body in a human condition and get it right? Now, we read this from Job's perspective, yes. Think about it from God's perspective. Think about it. As Job says, Hast thou eyes of flesh? I can see right then the Father turned to the Son. Seest thou as man seeth? I bet then the Father turned to the Son and said, One day we'll know. I wonder... I'm not going to say that what Job said here is what caused God to come down in human form whom we now know as the Lord Jesus Christ. But I guarantee as Job cried out in the bitterness of his soul that God was there with his bottle catching those tears of confusion, those tears of grief and saying, Job, one day I will know how you feel. Can I ask you to turn in your Bible to the book of Hebrews, please? Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 3. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 3. We have a very somber command in this verse. Hebrews 13 and 3. Remember them that are in bonds as bound with them. So when you think about those Christians that are in prison and being persecuted for their faith, the apostle says, try to put yourself in their position as you pray for them. Think about it as if you had been arrested. How would you want somebody to pray for you? How would you like somebody to help you in that situation? In the middle of the verse, he says, and them which suffer adversity as being yourselves also in the body. That's the command. When other people suffer, we're supposed to weep with them that weep. We are supposed to 
think about it as if it's happening to us. As if we were in their body experiencing that. And I'm happy to report to you this morning, Jesus fulfilled this command. He can legitimately tell us to remember those that suffer adversity in this fashion because he did come down and take on a human body. And the Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. He and he alone can say to every single human being, I know how you feel. And as you cry yourself to sleep, and as if you feel like you're going to break, you can't make it another day. It feels as if your eyes have run out of tears. Jesus alone can wrap his arms around you and say, I get it. I get it. And I'm watching every tear. I see every step. Not one tear goes to waste. Every single one of them caught in God's bottle. Just turn to chapter 2 if you would please. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews 2 and verse number 14. The book of Hebrews, part of it was written to prove that Jesus is God. As you read Hebrews 1, that's abundantly clear. But then in Hebrews 2, we're reminded that even though Jesus was God in a human body, let's not forget that it was a human body. So the book of Hebrews is an amazing book to show both natures of Christ, his divine and his human nature. And in verse 14 it says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. Jesus came down and went through the same thing. Same thing as you. Look at verse 17. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. The word succor means to support. So as you go through it, he's right there with you to say, I've been there. He's right there calling to you, saying, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I can get you through this. I know how you feel. And I know every tear you're, you're shedding over this. Chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse number 14. Chapter 4, verse number 14. The Bible says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest... Amen. Well, I say amen. I wish I could say it louder. Amen. I like that. We have a great high priest, not just a good one. We have a great one. What makes him so great? Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Don't give up when it gets tough because you got somebody that can get you through it. Verse 15, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Now there's a double negative in that. 
You Afrikaners should appreciate the double negative since you have it in all of your negatives. But the double negative makes it a positive, which works on many levels. (laughs) This is a great positive. Our high priest, look at it closely. He is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. So when I say he knows how you feel, I mean exactly that. He is touched by what you're going through. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 63 that the Lord is afflicted with your afflictions. Think about that just for a moment. When you're stressed out and bothered and worried and overwhelmed and nigh unto quitting, it touches God's heart. And I can see God hand that little bottle to one of the angels and say, run and catch them before they hit the ground. Catch those precious tears. I wonder one day when we get to heaven if we don't see an entire wall filled with bottles. I wonder if we don't walk walk down the hallways of heaven and we see and we go up and down the shelves and I wonder when we get to the shelf if we see a little name plate that says Mike Flick right there. And there's my bottles. And I say, God would, I don't remember all these. And he says, yes, but I do. I remember every tear. I was there for it. And it hurt me to see you hurting. I was afflicted with your affliction. Yes, Jesus had to become human so that he could die. But there's more to his humanity than just making death possible. He had to experience life so that he could minister to you every day of your life. He can legitimately say, I'm touched with the feeling of your infirmities. The Bible says he was in all points tempted like as we are. In verse 15, yet without sin. So he can properly get you through it in all points. You ever had somebody cheat you in a business deal? Jesus got cheated. He had somebody sell him out. You ever had a friend turn his back on you? Jesus had that. Peter denied him. You ever had people lie about you and gossip about you? Doesn't that hurt? Jesus had that his entire life. Take your Bible. I want to show you something that Jesus experienced. Come to John chapter 11. John chapter 11. John 11. I'll give you a good verse to memorize. I bet you can do it just now now. John 11 and 35. You can go home today and say that you memorized a Bible verse. John 11:35. Do you all have it? Got it memorized? Okay, we're good then. It's the shortest verse in the English Bible. Jesus wept. Now we know that, right? We know that he wept. We know that he wept. Do you know what caused him to weep? Do you know the context of this? He's at a funeral. 
Verse 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, Mary that is, sister of Martha, I want you to see carefully. Don't let it slip past you this morning. Jesus saw her weeping. As being God himself, he had been watching people weep for several thousand years. And now he's at a funeral at somebody that he cares deeply about in Lazarus. And Lazarus' sister Mary is weeping and Jesus takes notice of that. But now it's from a different perspective. He's not sitting on his throne at the right hand of God catching the tears with a bottle. He's now on the earth in human form and he's watching humanity suffer. Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping which came with her. And look at the reaction of Jesus. He groaned in the spirit and was troubled. He was touched with the feeling of their infirmity. It broke his heart to see them broken hearted. Verse 34. And said, Jesus speaking, where have you laid him? They said unto him, Lord, come and see. Now you know what Jesus could have done? He could have gone to the grave and raised Lazarus and never shed a tear. The story would still make sense, wouldn't it? Isn't that why he asked him, where have you laid him? Because he wanted to fix the funeral. Did you know that every time, any, any time Jesus went to a funeral, it didn't stay a funeral? Read it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Every time somebody that is dead and then Jesus comes into the picture, they get up. <laughs> In Christ, there's life. <laughs> there's, no, there's no death in him. He knows that he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. He knows that. But he took time to weep. He took time to experience this very real human emotion of what it feels to lose someone. Does Jesus care when I've said goodbye to the dearest on earth to me? And my sad heart aches till it nearly breaks. Is it aught to him? Does he see? Verse 33 says that he sees it. Verse 35 proves that he saw it. He wept. You know what the Jews gathered from that? Verse 36, then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. They didn't say that because he raised Lazarus. They said that because Jesus wept over his funeral. Weep with them that weep. God's not going to command you to do something that he himself won't do. And he did. I made the announcement last week that our church has been experiencing several different heartbreaking situations. But I tell you, I've done several funerals now. But this might have been the hardest one I've ever been at. I didn't even preach it. 
No parent should have to bury their child. Shouldn't happen. As I stood at the graveside and watched that teenage girl be lowered into the ground and watched the mom and dad and the older sister weep, it came to my mind the verse I showed you earlier, Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 3. I'm supposed to suffer adversity as being in the body. And for one brief moment, I let my mind, I let my mind go and imagined if I were watching my child go down. I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it. I had to stop thinking about it. I almost lost it. My small, darkened human heart, it breaks immediately at the thought of somebody that I know and care about suffering. And that's my broken, my pitiful little heart. Now you take the perfect heart of Jesus Christ that has never been stained with sin, that has never known a wrong thought or a wrong emotion. Everything he does is perfect all the way down to the perfect, the perfect amount of sympathy. As that thought passed from my mind, the next thought that came to my mind was, God is right here with his bottle, catching every one of their tears. Because the thought hit me, how do you get through this? How can you get through this? And the only answer I could come with is that you know God is right there with his bottle. He's keeping track of all of my problems, all of my heartbreaks. When Jeremiah wept over the nation of Israel, God saw it. When Peter wept tears of repentance, God saw it. When Mary and her friends at the funeral wept over the loss of a loved one, God saw it. God sees it all. Does Jesus care? Is it aught to him? Does he see? Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. When the days are weary, the long nights dreary, I know my Savior cares. You may not know today just how much he cares, but one day when you get to heaven and you see his bottle sitting on the shelf with your name under it, you'll know how much he cares. And it will astound you how much attention he was paying to your life. We don't even realize how much he watches over us. We can't possibly fathom how much he loves us.
I'd like to show you one last thing. Can I ask you to come to 2 Kings chapter 20? Second Kings chapter 20. Second Kings chapter 20. I'm not sure how familiar you are with the story of Hezekiah. The Lord told the prophet Isaiah to go in unto Hezekiah and tell him that he was going to die. The command was tell him to get your house in order. You're not going to recover from this sickness. You're going to die. Isaiah delivered the message as difficult as that must have been. And we read in verse 3 and 4 that Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall. He's laying in his bed and he begins to weep and he begins to pray and he begins to say, God, please spare me. Please, God, have mercy. And in verse number 5, God had heard the prayer and he talking to Isaiah God says to Isaiah turn again and tell Hezekiah the captain of my people thus saith the Lord the God of David thy father I have heard thy prayer I have seen thy tears did you know that's the first time the word tears shows up in the Bible the first time the first time the word tears plural shows up in the Bible you know what God said about it I've seen them God wanted us to make sure we know one thing when a righteous man cries out to God with a broken heart God's paying attention he's right there with his bottle catching every tear listening to every prayer He'll do what needs to be done. He's touched with the feeling of your infirmities. Moms, this is Mother's Day. You know how it feels to watch your child cry. Dads, you can appreciate this too. It's difficult to watch your children suffer. Don't you know that God feels that but a million times more for all of his children? Don't you know that God feels that way about you? Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons, the children of God. I don't know what's broken your heart this week. I just want you to re be reminded of one thing. None of it went unnoticed. One day you'll see God's bottle and you'll know just how much He cares. Let's all stand if you would please. 
Let's have our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Caleb will play something softly. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I don't care what kind of tears they are. Tears of repentance. Tears of grief. Tears of sorrow. Mournful tears. Stressful tears. Whatever the tears are, God's aware of them. It's a legitimate question. Does Jesus care? Sometimes life makes us ask that. Job asked it. David asked it. It's a legitimate question. But there's a very clear answer. God's bottle proves that he cares. some of you I know it's been a tough week tough month for some of you you'll need this sermon next month maybe three months from now maybe a year from now but now you know that God has a special bottle reserved for you You know, Jesus said that in hell there's weeping and wailing. Those are the only tears that I could imagine God would not be able to do anything about. Because the Bible tells us when the new heaven and new earth come down, God wipes away all tears. But not for those not for those that died and went to hell. If you've never been saved, why would you reject such a Savior as this? Jesus can not only give you eternal life, but He, he is there to support you, to succor you every day of this life. If you've never accepted him as your savior, I beg you, come to him today and find out how much he loves you. Find out how much he cares. Father, I know there are are broken hearts in this congregation. And Lord, at one point or another, all of us, all of us, all of us, will have those tears I want to ask you please comfort those that are still mourning help those that are broken hearted God draw nigh to them Lord let them know that you're near Father if there happens to be people here today that have never been saved oh God 
please, Lord, don't let them leave the building without Jesus dwelling in their heart. Please, God, save somebody's soul this morning. Father, I just want to thank you for caring so much about us. Thank you for watching over us. Like as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him. Thank you for loving us like that. Father, as we dismiss and head back to our homes or wherever we're going, oh, please, God. Please, Lord, let us, let us walk away and never forget just how much you do care. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Father, we ask and thank you for all this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.